0: So you may have been hearing me talk recently about my new course, Scale Your Way. I released it earlier this year in 2024. And if you have not gone through the course individually or inside of my community, Web Designer Pro, you are in luck because I have distilled some of the most important topics and highlights in that course into a free masterclass for you. And it is going to help you and give you the clear roadmap in order to build and scale up your web design business in a way that works for you. So you can get access to the entire free training at joshhall.co slash scale. Again, it is completely free. It's 50 minutes plus. It is basically a coaching session on scaling that you and I can have together. And I'm going to share with you the top tips, many of which are pulled from the course, and it'll give you the roadmap to be able to scale up your business your way. Pick it up today for free at joshhall.co slash scale. Welcome to the Josh Hall Web Design Show. Web Design Show, helping you build better websites and create a web design business that gives you freedom and a lifestyle you love. Hey, everybody, welcome into the podcast. This is episode 54. And in this one, I'm going to cover some SEO basics. We're going to talk some of the most fundamental and important things for SEO for you as web designers for your websites, but then also. These are the things that you can apply for all of your client websites. And the reason I wanted to do this episode right now and to cover some SEO basics is because the next episode coming up, episode 55, we dig into some more advanced things with SEO, particularly how to optimize your websites and your website content for better SEO Google rankings. And in that episode, I'm bringing in my SEO specialist uh, to talk more about that in a little more detail, which is why I wanted to preface that and kind of give you guys an introduction to SEO, particularly for those of you who have not been through my SEO course and who may be new to SEO. So what we're going to do in this one is I've broken this talk down into three different sections. We're going to talk about some SEO fundamentals, and then we're going to talk about some on-site SEO practices that you can apply to your sites and your client sites. And then we'll wrap up with some really good and important SEO tools They're going to be available to you that either I use, or I know a lot of colleagues that use. And as I mentioned, I do have an SEO course where I, this is actually, all of this content is pulled from that course. um, But I just go into a lot more detail in the course and have a lot more lessons in and around these things. So a lot of what I'm mentioning here, I'm going to make reference back to my course because again, everything is pulled from that, but either way, just wanted to give every single one of you some good SEO basics to follow. So Without further ado, let's dive in and have some fun here. And I do want to preface everything by saying this. SEO, it can be a very scary, shady, you know, a daunting, intimidating world. But I will tell you, my business, joshhall.co, is 100% built with organic SEO. And I just want to say it's not rocket science. There's a lot of different ways to go about it. There are some rights and some wrongs, but there's also a lot of things that are just open to interpretation. So SEO is something you don't need to fear. It's also a great option for recurring income, which I talk about in my course more. So basically everything you learn through this episode, you can take what you learn and you can potentially make this into some recurring income plans for your services and for your clients moving forward. But in any case, I just wanted to preface everything by saying that SEO is not to be feared. You can actually do a lot of good damage in the SEO world with just learning some fundamentals. So let's dive into it. Let's dive into number one here, some SEO fundamentals, starting with a few really important things to remember with SEO. Number one is that it is it is a long game. SEO is not something that's going to happen overnight. Google, as you can imagine, it takes a little while for it to start ranking certain pages, depending on the topic and the phrase that's that's asked in the Google search bar. And it's not going to happen overnight. It is a long game. It takes time, consistency. And I know clients don't like to hear that, but it's just the truth. Now, you can work your way up quick on Google with PPC, which is what's called papers, click ads. But that's not something I do. And I just have no interest in it. I'm more about the organic approach. And quite frankly, people who pay a lot of money for Google ads, once their ad is done, guess what happens? It drops and it's nowhere to be seen often. So it's a long game, but that's cool. It's, you can do it by phases. You, this is something we'll talk about next, but you're, you can just let your clients know. you. Know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's, it's going to be a long game, but we can do it in phases, step by step. You can just make gradual improvements. Once you start getting a little more Google ranking here, you can start getting a little more there. And then next thing you know, JoshHall.co has a ton of tutorials everywhere that people are finding left and right. And it's taken three years to this point, but that's exactly how I built my business the long, long game style. Now, on the note of setting expectations, that's the next big thing: is that you need to set expectations for yourself with your website, but then also your clients, as you can imagine. So, a lot of people say, "Well, I just built my website. Why isn't it coming up on Google?" Well, that depends. That de- first of all, it's a baby on the internet, so Google doesn't know about the site. You know, is the site built well? We're going to talk about some on-site SEO practices shortly. Does it have all that in place or, you know, is it doing a lot of things that are kind of a no-no for SEO? But then also, are you linking to other sites? Are you getting the word out? Are you driving traffic? All of those things are going to, you know, make or break whether a site is showing up relatively quickly on Google. And it also depends on the what's being searched. Again, going back to whatever keyword or phrase is being searched. It also depends on your competition, your area. There's a lot of different factors That are going to you know come into play when it comes to an SEO strategy and a site pulling up on Google. Now there are some times that you can get pretty instant results, but more often than not, it's going to take a little while for sites to start showing up on Google unless you're searching the company name or a brand name or something like that. Uh, But in any case, you want to set your expectations again. Going back to the long game, it's not going to happen overnight. You need to very carefully tell that to your clients too. That way, and I'm sure you've experienced this, you build a website, and then the next day your client says, hey, why aren't I number one on Google for you know dentist services or something? And the expectation needs to be set. And then finally, in this little point here, uh, as I mentioned in the outset of this, there are some right or wrong things with SEO. There's some practical things. However, there's also a lot of things that, are, again, are just open to interpretation. And I actually find a lot of freedom in that because... it's something that is, first of all, it's constantly changing and constantly evolving, but it's also something that, you know, some SEO experts and web designers do things their way, but I do things a different way. And a practical example of that is with keyword research, which we'll talk about here. A lot of people do very data-driven keyword research and they want to find out what is being searched for. And there's a lot of pros to that. For me, I built my entire SEO presence with my tutorials and videos with just answering questions that I had, or I thought were good questions. And I just dished out what I thought would be good. So a lot of ways to go about it. There's some practical right and wrong things, but there's also a lot of ways that are open for interpretation. Now, one thing I want to address real quick too, is what Google actually is. And this should really make things feel less daunting for you. And that is that Google is just a search engine. A lot of people call it a matchmaker. It is simply a way to get when somebody answers or asks a question, it's looking for an answer. That's all it is. It is just a tool that helps answer somebody's question. So that idea alone has really made me feel more confident with SEO with the idea of the bit, the most important thing I need to do and that all of our client sites needs to do are to answer questions. So whatever keyword is searched, you want to answer that question. This is also why, side note, blog posts are generally more important and have a lot more SEO value than standard website pages like services or product pages, because Google is generally, you know, getting questions and they're going to try to find the best match for that question in a blog post or something that's near that area or so, you know something that has as much relevance as possible. So when you have a service page, yeah, that might have a lot of good information, but maybe it's not answering a question. They may not, you know, somebody is very rarely serve searching for as many services as they are answers to questions. Same thing with products. So a lot of times, while those do have really good SEO value as well, you're going to get a lot more prominence with blog posts, which is another side note why blogs are still king. Content is king. So just remember, what is Google? It's just a search engine. It's a a search mechanism. It's looking for answers to questions. That's it. Now, when people are typing in questions, they're using what's called keywords. So you've got to understand keywords. You may hear also uh, phrased as key phrases, Uh, but there are, this is the biggest thing. And I talk about this in a little more detail in my SEO course, but I'll give you the basics here. There are three types of main keywords or key phrases. There's what's called short tail, mid tail, and long tail keywords. A short tail example would be like veterinarian. That would be a short tail, like one word, key phrase, or keyword. A mid tail would be like dog veterinarian. It's a little more specific. It's you know not terribly specific to a breed or to an area or location, but it is a little more specific than just veterinarian. And then a long tail example is dog veterinarian in. Columbus, Ohio, for example, since I'm in Columbus. So you could do like dog, veterinarian, Columbus. That would be a very popular type of search term here in Columbus. So those are the three different types of keywords and key phrases. That's really, really crucial to know. Particularly, this is something you're going to want to relay to your clients because going back to my example earlier, if my, you know, if I get a dental, a dentist client, and then the day after we launch their site, they wonder why they're not number one on Google. Well, maybe we need to focus on mid and long tail keywords that we can actually rank for as opposed to dentist. Because if you try to rank for dentist, you're going to have thousands and thousands of competition. Even dentist Columbus is going to be much harder to reach. Now, however, if we did dentist Grove City, which is where I'm in, which is a suburb outside of Columbus, we could definitely make some waves in that in the Google rankings. So the biggest thing with the success of an of a SEO presence, whether it's blog posts or service pages or whatever, is really the keywords. And those three things are the most important things. Short tail, mid tail, long tail. The side note, you'll often get a lot more quicker results with long tail keywords because they are more specific. Then once your site gets more popular and Google starts to like it, we'll talk about domain authority next. Then you can work your way up to mid tail and then eventually short tail type of keywords. But short tail, mid tail, long tail, those are the biggies. Really recommend that you talk to your clients and give them a good understanding of what those are. Now, like I just mentioned, domain authority. This is the goal. The goal of every website's SEO strategy is to build domain authority. And in short, that's basically Google's way of saying, hey, I really like your site. Your site's good, it's got really good content, you're posting things consistently. We'll talk about the on-site practices next here, but it's going to give your site precedence and prominence over a lot of your competition. As your site grows on the internet and as it builds domain authority and as Google likes it, it's going to start, again, showing results from your site over competitors and over articles in similar industries. And it's also one thing that will really help your domain authority apart from really good content and everything that we're going to talk about here coming up is if you can get other people to link back to your site, that's called backlinking. And in the next episode in 55, I talk with Michelle about like really in depth with backlinking because there's some shady spammy ways that I recommend you don't go, but there's also a lot of good organic wholesome ways we'll say of getting good backlinks. And Google loves that because Google wants a site that is good, relevant, consistent, but it's also a site that other people like and that they link back to. So Google loves that. So those are just some of the most important ways to build domain authority. Above all though, guys, it's consistency and it's good content, uh, apart from what we're going to talk about moving forward. So the goal is to build that domain authority. This is also why when you release a brand new website on the internet it's not pulling up as quick. Even if you have really good blog posts, it may take a while. And that's because it doesn't have any domain authority. Google doesn't trust you yet. So relay that to your clients too. It's all about domain authority. And then finally, your website content. We'll talk about this more in the next episode when we dive into this in a lot of detail, but it's got to be content friendly for both humans and robots. So it's really a mix of doing keywords and having some data and information and content in the post that's specifically to that keyword or that key phrase like we talked about. But just remember, humans, real people are going to be reading it and they set much more priority than robots. Now, it is important to make sure your content is robot friendly, but you got to make sure people enjoy reading it because if people are going on there and they bounce off really quickly, side note, Google knows that. So you want to make sure it's both human and robot friendly. So those are some really fundamental things to understand with SEO. Now, there's a lot more, but I'm just giving you guys kind of the the high level stuff that I think and that I've found in my experience to be really, really important. Now, let's move on to some on-site SEO practices that you can apply to both your website and again, your clients. These are things that you can also do in phases and make additional services and content upgrades for your clients as well starting with a good navigation structure. This is one of the most important things to do, especially for a brand new website. You've got to have a really good organized navigation menu that has the most important links to your website. And this is where you know, typically you have services, blog, you know, team, or about, maybe it's your process or, or things like that. And you want to come up with a really good hierarchy. This is really important for sites that have Even even a small site that may just have five to ten pages, but it's extra important for a site that has a lot of pages because, as you can imagine, you don't want to go in your menu and have thirty blog posts in your menu. You want to come up with a really good navigation structure that is your services, then it has links to all your different services, and then you'll have a separate link for your blog posts, and maybe there's different categories of blog posts. So you really need to think about your navigation. In your structure, because Google wants to know what the priority of pages are. It's all about UX, user experience. You want people to go on your site and understand where they need to go to find what they're looking for. And the best way to do that is to have a really good navigation and structure. I recommend practically having no more than six or seven main links on your menu. A website that has like 20 links on it on the main menu, it just, it ain't gonna go well. So you wanna make sure you have really good emphasis on your navigation and your structure and create that hierarchy for sites that have a lot of different posts and uh, different post types. Like maybe it's a podcast, blog, pages, whatever. Now, the other aspect to this is linking. And you wanna have good linking both internally on your site and externally. And the reason this is important is because Google wants to know what your most important pages are, but then how it's all connected. Again, going back to that UX. So one of the best things you can do is, for example, for like linking, not only on the menu, but on your homepage, for example, you could link to those main pages on your homepage as well as your menu. This is going to tell Google, these are the most important pages. Then people can drill down from there with the information they want to get to. This will also help when people land on your blog post or podcast page or something first, and then go back to your homepage or are then looking in your menu to find what they're looking for next. Now, there's a variety of different ways to go about this, but as I just mentioned, one of the best things that I've seen implemented and that I've seen work for me is to just have your main pages linked on your front page. So, for example, my site has, well, I'm closing in on 200 pages and posts between my tutorials, my blogs, my podcast. I've got a lot of different posts out there. So, the challenge I had more recently that I had to address was how do I help people get to where they're they're going to what what they're looking for and i'm st- it's still in the works I'm still working that out, but one of the best things I did was I created kind of master categories, the main areas of my site, which for me are my courses, my blogs, my tutorials, my podcasts, and then a couple other areas and that's what I did that's what's in my menu. My menu is courses, tutorials podcasts, etc. And then I have a section of my homepage that echoes that with a little more detail. And then they can click off to look at all the different types of tutorials, and then the podcast, etc. So anytime you can do internal linking like that, that is a great way to tell Google what's most popular. This is also another side note, a great way to help display what pages you see when people Google your site. So a lot of people want to know, when you Google a site, how do you get the pages to show up? Well, there's actually no for sure way to control that, but one of the best ways that you have a good chance of your main pages showing up is to set the hierarchy like we're talking about with linking. And then also one thing you can do before we move on to the next one is to link to external sites that have good domain authority. So anytime you can link to similar articles or sites that are even in your industry or even sometimes your competitors it's a great way to go because Google's going to view your site as a site that's generous and is sharing information and is linking to a bunch of other sites and you're going to be that connector. There's a lot of power in being a connector both as a person in business but then also as a site uh because Google's going to be you know looking at your site and it's going to be connecting to a bunch of other sites. So it's a great way to build SEO. Now, another kind of uh, another side topic on linking is to separate your service pages. This is one of the quick out of the gate SEO wins that you can have for a new site. And that is to create a separate service page for each of your services. And the reason this is so important is because as we talked about with the idea of like keyword research, again, what is what is that? Well, Google's just trying to answer a question. So if somebody wants to find more about a certain service, it's not gonna take them to a service page that also has nine other services. Reason being is because that page has a bunch of conflicting information. There's really no chance for you to create a nice keyword or a nice key phrase with a service page that has nine different services. It's just Google doesn't know like, well, what's it looking for? That's, you know, dog grooming. Let's, let's use like uh, dog grooming, for example, or dog training. If you have a page that has all these dog services, if you type dog training, it might find that page, but then you've also got grooming and care and maintenance and all these other things in that page that's conflicting with it. So one of the best things you can do right out of the gate for you and your clients is to create those separate service pages. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a page for your services that's like the hub that will link out to that. But guess what Google's going to pick up before that page? You're right. It's going to pick up your detailed short or excuse me, mid or long tail keyword page that is your service. So let's take, for example, an auto mechanic and you're working on a site for them they may say, you know, here's our services page. Well, for you, one of the best things you can do is tell them what I just told you. It's really important if you want to have a good SEO ranking out of the gate and to build that foundation to have each one of these services as their own page with new images, different content that's related to that service that answers some questions and has more information. And automatically you'll be ahead of the game compared to their competitors just by having additional service pages. So that's a big one. And it's great because you can add more work to your portfolio portfolio, or excuse me, your proposal, and you can do bigger projects like that. And then you can also do it in phases again. Worst case scenario, if your client is really limited with a budget, you could do one services page, but then maybe two months later, then you build out all of your service pages. And then maybe phase three would be to build out blog posts that support each one of those services. And that's how you're going to build this beautiful, what I like to call SEO tree with really good internal and external linking as you link out to other sites as well. So separate service pages, that is gold, you guys, I promise it's proven. I'm a perfect example. We've done this with client sites. Separate service pages are the way to go. There's so many win-wins. And again, you don't have to scare your client with, you know, developing a hundred page website right out of the gate. You could just start out with a 10 to 15 page site that has your services in different detail, and then you can grow it from there. Now, as far as growing it from there, when you're doing blog posts, just remember this, the most powerful blog posts, just simply answer questions. This is again why blog posts generally have much more authority and domain value and domain authority than regular pages because people are searching for questions or they're searching questions and then they're getting answers. Typically, answers are going to happen in blog posts. And this is also why you can get better, quicker Google rankings because with a blog post, if you're answering a certain question, it's often going to be a longer tail keyword that's a little more specific. Again, going back to let's go back to the veterinarian idea. Like there was veterinarian, there was dog veterinarian, then there was veterinarian Columbus. Well, you could do a blog post about how, you know, your Columbus based dog veterinary, uh, place is, you know, has these awards or whatever. And then this is some stuff that will help you out with, you know, with your dog, you can answer questions. You could also do something like in this case, what are some, uh, standard things you can do for vetnia care for golden retriever dogs because i have a golden retriever who i love so that would be a long tail keyword that you could do a blog post and answer questions about you know the general care you should do for that type of dog breed and that post is going to get seen and it's going to get shared and as long as it's helpful and it's written for humans but also has a keyword in mind that's a great way to build your blogs you know that same idea the, the idea hopefully that wasn't confusing the idea is just to create blog posts that have good content that are a little more specific. And then, guess what you do with that? You then link that to your services, which is inevitably gonna to link to your homepage. It's all interconnected, it's all linked, and it's a great way to go. And then, additionally, what you can do in your blog posts to help out with this on site SEO practices is you can, first of all, address the first paragraph. The first paragraph is the most important piece of content in any page or any post, and we'll talk about HTML structure next. But what I've learned to be super successful and beneficial is to have a first paragraph that explains what you're about to talk about, or answers a question quickly, and then they can scroll down and get more information with the detailed information. Because there are people who want to dive into something, and get a quick grabby answer, then they're going to leave. But there's also people who want a little more and you want to be able to appeal to both. So one of the best things you can do is have a really great first paragraph that articulates what you're going to talk about and answers a question. And I actually, here's a freebie. When I became a blog author for elegant themes, this was one of the first things they said, you need to have that first description paragraph that explains what you're going to talk about. And I didn't really understand why, but now after my experience of blogging and and with my site, it makes perfect sense. That's exactly why it's the most important thing in the page. Now we'll talk about HTML structure next, but another really quick point I wanted to make with uh, doing your blogs is that anytime you can use bullet points or a numbered list, do it. It's great for readability for people reading it, but Google also looks at bullet lists and numbered lists and often features them as what's called featured snippets. So, a lot of times, like if you look at some of my articles, a lot of my snippets are now being found on Google when people ask questions. So, for example, if you type in Divi theme versus Divi builder, you will see one of my featured snippets pop up first before Elegant Themes and any of the other high ranking Divi sites, which is pretty cool. Now, that snippet in this case was actually just a sentence. I answered the question, but some of my other bullet lists and numbered lists have got pulled up like that as well. And it's a great way to go. It'll really help Google. Uh, find your site and have a good quick answer for those who are looking for grab and go answers now let's talk really quickly about html structure doesn't that sound fun? it is meh it's not super sexy or super fun, but it is super super important and here's the deal here's the download guys whether it's a page or whether it's a blog post there's a couple things you need to have with the idea of a keyword in mind you want to make sure you have that in the site title in your site description and we'll talk about some tools to do that but you want to make sure that keyword is in the page title itself. You don't want the title to be too long, but you also don't want it to be too short tail or too confusing because well, as we're talking about like the dog grooming stuff, if you just, if grooming is your page title, well, Google's like grooming for what? Grooming for humans, grooming for dogs, grooming for cats, grooming for other Creatures, like, what are we talking about here? So, when you do a title, you want it to be fairly specific. You want to do like dog grooming. And then sometimes you can do additional posts that's like dog grooming Columbus, you know, getting into the more long tail stuff. So, you want to have a detailed title that has the keyword. You also want to make sure the URL, the permalink, has that in there as well. And then here's the biggie you want to use an H1, a heading, and you want to use only one of those, only one H1. If you have multiple H1s, it ain't good. Google knows that. And the reason why that's so important is because it's all about hierarchy. So heading ones, H ones are the most important title. That's what you want on there, but you only want one that should be in the title. And then the rest of the structure are H twos, H threes, H fours and onward. And you just want to match those up with the hierarchy of your blog post or of your page. Now you can do paragraphs in there. And then that's where you can put your lists and bullet lists and numbered lists and things like that. In that with the content, you can have as many H2s and H3s, et cetera, as you want. But either way, you wanna make sure you follow one H1 heading and then have the rest of your page structure nicely outlined and structured to where it's a good hierarchy that people are gonna be able to read, but then also that robots know. They're like, okay, here's the most important thing, here's the title, here are the subtitles, here's the content, oh, there's a nice little bullet list right there, or a numbered list, and then there's the answer to a question. That's what the robots of Google are looking for. And then additionally, when it comes to structure, one thing you can do that's really important for all of your pages is to put what's called alt text in your images. In WordPress, when you click on an image, there's a section to put alt text. You can actually do that through Divi as well. And then another little side note as far as your structure, when you're putting content in a page is to optimize the file name for SEO. So instead of just your file name being some wacky number, you know, put like if you have a dog getting groomed, then put like dog grooming Columbus Ohio you know lucky or whatever his name is in there. So, a uh, great way to go. Those are just some things I recommend for your HTML structure. There's a lot more to that. I actually have a whole I have a couple lessons in my on my SEO course that dive into how to actually write all this out and then make sure you get as much value as you can in optimization from that structure, but that's the basic. You need to have a good title that has the keyword that's ideally fairly specific one H1 heading, and then a good paragraph that answers a question or talks about what you're going to do. Then have your content with H2s, H3s, H4s with your paragraphs and sentences and bullet points in there. And then just a couple to wrap up this section with some on-site SEO practices. Again, there's a ton more, but for this podcast episode, for the sake of the basics, these are the most important things that I've found. And that is you need to make sure your site loads quick. The big keys to this, there's really two main keys for bad Uh, Load times. It's bad hosting and images. Those are the two things that really kill loading speeds. Bad hosting is going to include the cheap hosting like GoDaddy, Bluehost, some of these other ones that are, you know, sounds great. Oh, it's super cheap, but their servers just suck. They're shared. There's, you know, there's just so many issues with it. They may not have the latest PHP versions, which is what's behind your site. Uh, they don't support WordPress as well as some others. So you want to make sure you have decent hosting. I use SiteGround. I'm a big proponent of that. I highly recommend using SiteGround. And if you're not already, if your clients aren't, start your website hosting and maintenance plan, get them on there and make sure you because hosting is like the way I like to explain this to clients is it's like a house. We could build this beautiful website, this beautiful house. But if your house is in like a terrible, shady, scary neighborhood. It's not going to go very well. It's probably going to get broken into or hacked. It's probably going to get, you know, the the value isn't going to be very good because it's a terrible place. So you want to make sure you have good hosting above all. And then on top of that, the other killer again is your images. Images are the killer for load times. Uh, There's a variety of ways to go about optimizing images. I'll mention some tools here in a little bit, but ideally you optimize your images before you put them on your website. You want to make sure images are quit as as low and as small as they can be before they go on the web. You don't wanna take a picture with an image, like on a camera, upload that to your computer, then you've got like a six megabyte image, then you upload that to your page and your client's like, why is my page loading so slow? Well It's like, well, you got a six megabyte picture in there, which to their point, you know, they don't understand anything about that. That's why it's your job to explain this and to learn from this kind of stuff. But you wanna make sure that everything is optimized as much as possible before it goes into the site. Uh, we'll talk about some tools that will help with that, but that those are the two biggest culprits. And I do want to say too, for those of you using Divi or who are exploring Divi, Divi is not bad for SEO. A lot of people say that, and I see that all the time, and it's just not true. My site's a perfect perfect example of it. It's all about the methods that we're talking about that feed into SEO that get hairy. Like you can use Divi or you can use any other theme and you can make a site that loads super slow because your images are huge or you have bad practices. And that's what's going to kill SEO. It's not Divi itself. So I just wanted to make note of, make note of that before moving on. And then finally, on-site stuff, one of the most important and best things you can do is to to submit, excuse me, to submit your site to the Google tools. And we'll talk about that shortly. But you want to make sure that your site is indexed by Google and it's kind of a fast track way to tell Google, hey, here's my site, here's my links, and you can go from there and you'll submit what's called a sitemap, which we'll talk about here with tools uh, to what's called Google Search Console. And you know what? We're talking about tools. Let's dive, dive into it. This final third section, we're talking about tools. Uh, we're going to talk about some good and important tools for SEO, starting with what we were just talking about, which is the Google tools. Uh, There are three main Google tools that I've found that we typically use with all sites and client sites. Number one is Google Search Console. This is something I didn't really start using until a few years ago, but I found to be super beneficial. Now, I do want to say you don't absolutely need these. Your site will still get indexed and it will still pop up on Google and you can still do a lot of damage with SEO without these tools. But these are the best way to tell Google, hey, I'm using your stuff These are the most important pages, et cetera. And Google Search Console is great because when you add your site to that, you add what's called your sitemap, which is all of your post types and pages. That way, again, Google will start to pick those up eventually. But the the quickest way to do that is to upload your sitemap, which we could do through a tool called Yoast or some other ones that we'll talk about. But you upload that to Google Search Console, and then Google Search Console will say, all right, we've got all your posts submitted, we've got all your pages submitted, we'll start indexing those ASAP as possible, and we'll be good to go. So Google Search Console is great. It's also the tool that will show you what people are searching for to get to your site, because Google Analytics, which we'll talk about next, does not show those key terms. So you want to make sure you have Google Search Console. Now, the other one, like I just mentioned, is Google Analytics, and it's strictly that. It's strictly analyzing your site's traffic and your users. So you're not gonna see the terms that people are using to get to your site, but you will see what they're doing on your site. So this is a big one more for reporting and understanding your site, seeing what's working, seeing what the most popular pages are. This is where you track your page views and all that good stuff. So those are the two biggies. Now, the third one is Google My Business. This is necessary and an absolute must for businesses that have a brick and mortar shop. This is where like your barbers or pizza shops, your automotive place, all these need to have a Google My Business page. My business with Josh Hall.co, I don't have a Google My Business page because I don't have a physical address that my business is at. So it's not important for authorities and bloggers and other types of industries that don't have a location. But for the majority of your clients, they're going to need to make sure you, they have their bit, Google My Business set up. And that's going to link to their website. And then they can change their hours and all that good stuff there. So those are the big three. Search Console, Analytics, and Google My Business. Now, there are some on-site tools that are key. One is to have some sort of SEO plugin on your WordPress website. This is not related to Divi. This is not related to Elementor or any certain theme. It's just WordPress in general. I use SEO Yoast. This is, I think, the most popular WordPress SEO plugin. And it's it's done very well for me. There's been a couple times in the past where... You know, there was an update that needed to be patched or something like that. But it's never broken any of my sites. And it's always been a strong tool for me, SEO Yoast. There are other ones. There's one called Rank Math. There's All-in-One SEO. And I go through a ton of other ones in my course. But I'll link to a few in the show notes for this episode if you're curious about trying a different one. But the reason that's important is this: these are the tools where you set your keyword and your pages. It's also where you can set a page to be indexed by Google or not indexed, which is pretty cool. And it's also where you can specify things to show up a certain way on Google versus uh, like socials. And it's also the tool that you can adjust the page title and the page description in, which is absolutely key for your websites as well. So want to make sure you're using a tool. And additionally, this is where when you submit your site to Google Search Console, it's going to ask for a sitemap. Well, on SEO Yoast, you can go find your sitemap there and then put it over to, to Google Search Console. So want to make sure you have an SEO plugin. Now, we talked about image optimization briefly. There are plenty of tools for that. Again, I recommend either using Photoshop or Adobe Bridge or something to optimize your photos and images before they go onto the website. But if you wanna optimize them even further, or if you have clients managing a site and you don't trust them to optimize their photos, which I don't blame you, there's plugins like WP Smush, uh, Short Pixel is one that we're using now too, and there's a plethora of others. Those are a couple of the popular ones. And then also a lot of site, or excuse me, a lot of uh, hosting companies will have their own media optimizers. So SiteGround is who we use. They have their own SiteGround plugin that will do a lot of this stuff for you. They have a media optimizer that will compress your images, Uh, You still do have to adjust the settings manually once you upload that, but it's a great way to optimize your site as best as possible. So those are some on-site tools. And then finally, some external tools that you might consider uh, using are primarily for keyword research. There are some free ones. Uh, Now, with keyword research, there's kind of two ways to go. There's an organic approach or there's a data-driven approach. The organic approach is what I've done for years, and that was just... Writing articles and doing tutorials on things that I thought were good, or what I would have wanted to learn, or that I was experimenting with. Uh, the more organic approaches, as well, are just to type something in Google. You can, even for your clients, they can type in their service or their industry and see what comes up. You can see like what popular terms are coming up, and then anytime you do a Google search, at the bottom you'll see related search terms, which is really really important. And just a side note. Anytime you search for something on Google, it pulls up what's called a SERP, which is the search engine, basically all the results. It's a search engine results page. It's what's pulling up when people search something. So that's the free organic way to go about keyword research. Now, there are some tools. There are some free tools. There's Google, uh, excuse me, Google Keyword Planner, really good one. Uh, You'll hear about this more in the next episode, but Michelle has recently stumbled on to something by Neil Neil Patel. Who is a popular SEO guy? It's called Uber Suggest, which I my understanding is is free. And then there's some other ones as well that I'll link to uh, some freebies for you. And then there are the premium tools. There's these are the ones that really go in detail with keyword research. These are tools that if you're really looking to do SEO as a service for your business, I'd recommend checking it out. However, if you're like me and you don't really want to worry about these tools yourself, you want to hire this out. This is where partnering with somebody who does SEO is really beneficial because they have these tools. These are ones, some common ones are SEMrush or SEMrush, as some say. There's SpyFrog. Ahrefs is like the top dog. It is expensive, but man, is it awesome. You'll hear about that more in the next episode. Uh, But those are the tools that I would consider looking into either way for some organic and data-driven approaches. So there you go, guys. Those are some SEO basics to, to give you a good understanding. Let's just recap them real quick. Number one was the SEO fundamentals. We talked about some really important things to remember with SEO, with it being a long game, setting your expectations, and just remembering there's no right or wrong way often. There's a lot of different ways to go about it. Remember that Google is a search engine. It's just pairing people's questions up with answers, understanding those keywords, short tail, mid tail, long tail. You can get better results with long and mid tail before you can short tail. Your goal is domain authority. And just remember, your content needs to be friendly for both humans and robots, Some of the on-site SEO practices we went over were having a good navigation structure and hierarchy and organization, really good linking both internally in your site and externally to other sites, which will help with SEO. Separating your service pages, that's huge. That's a great quick win for SEO. Remember that your blogs are going to answer questions and those are going to have the top priority over pages often. Remember to have really good HTML structure with one heading one and having a good organized structure for the content that follows that. Want to make sure your site loads quick, optimizing your images and doing all the best practices we talked about, and then ideally using those Google tools to submit your site once it's ready. And then finally, the tools that we covered, the Google tools, Google Search Console, Google Analytics, and Google My Business. Some of the on-site tools are a really good SEO plugin like Yoast, Rank Math, or some other ones, any sort of hosting optimizer or image optimizer, and then those keyword research tools that we just covered. I'll link those in the show notes. But those are kind of the basic guys. Those are, I, ho- I hope this episode has helped you just get a good feel for SEO because it ain't rocket science. There's so many ways to go about it. And it's really a great way for you to add more value to yourself as a web designer and a business because look, building a dis- beautiful website and, and having a really nice design, it's only half the battle. The rest of it is actually getting it found online and getting better Google rankings and your clients are going to look your clients will love you if you design a nice site they'll really love you if you get them to rank on Google. So, if you're interested in taking this to the next level guys, I'd invite you to check out my SEO course. It's been helping hundreds of students all over the world so far and it's just been a blast to see people implement all this into their own websites and with their clients and a lot of my SEO students are now building recurring income through their SEO plans. There's a lot of different ways I covered it to do that. So, If you're interested in that and you enjoyed this and you want to take this to the next level, I'll have the course mentioned below in the show notes. I'd love to help you with this further. And then make sure you tune in for the next episode because we're going to talk about SEO in a little more detail, specifically the content side of things. All right, guys. Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, leave a review. Again, check out my SEO course if you're ready to dive into the next level. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. Hey guys and gals, just wanted to pop in with a couple things before you head out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. I would love to hear your feedback and it will also help other web designers find the show. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. Just go to joshhall.co, click on podcasts, and search this episode number, and you'll find all the links, descriptions, and resources we talked about. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and you'll be notified when the next episode is live. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll catch you guys